Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a very exciting guest in Blake Harris. Blake is the managing partner of Blake Harris Law. I ended up finding him originally looking up the top estate planning attorneys on TikTok, and I ran the numbers, and Blake is actually number one in terms of real followers, and I'm super excited to have him on the show. Thank you so much for coming on, Blake. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, awesome. So I kind of wanted to start off with a bit of a backstory. So I know broadly that, you know, and this is this is for me as much as this for the listeners, but I know broadly that you've been in estate planning, but you know, tell me how you ended up arriving on that and a little bit more about how you ended up getting here. So my real focus within the estate planning world is on asset protection. This is helping people protect their property from lawsuits. And I think it actually goes back to when I was in law school. I had a very fascinating trust in the states teacher discussing mainly estate planning, probate, wills. And they touched a little bit on offshore trust. His message was pretty much don't go create offshore trust. So being kind of a rebellious person, this got me interested. And I went and actually talked to him afterwards. And his reason for not doing it was a little bit vague. And as we talked through it, he kind of explained, okay, in some cases, they make a lot of sense. But in a lot of cases, most of the time, they're not a good fit. So I said, okay, well, um, I'm going to explore this rabbit hole a little bit more of when an offshore trust is a good thing, is a good tool to use. So I think this initial seed got planted back when I was in law school. After graduating law school, moved out to Denver, Colorado, which is where I initially started my practice and got deeper into learning about international trust. I partnered with some of the top asset protection attorneys in the world and uh, really built my practice around that, just an area that I found fascinating and enjoyed uh, and have enjoyed. Okay, that's awesome. And it's kind of funny too. I've had a little bit of exposure to these just mostly through like uh, just entrepreneurs I know. And I know it's such a super sexy topic and there's probably more people that are looking for it than are actually like a good fit for that whole kind of thing too. But I mean, I also think sort of built into why there's been a lot of appeal on your, on your TikTok channel. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd say probably two out of every three people who call me, we don't end up working together. We're just not the right fit. I recommend that they look elsewhere for some other type of service. But occasionally when it's the right fit, it can be a very helpful solution. Yes, TikTok has been a nice boost to my business. I mean, we were very busy beforehand. Definitely last year when TikTok was blowing up for me, it was a very, very busy time. And with TikTok, you get all kinds of leads. So some very good ones. I've talked to clients with tens of million dollars, lots of millionaires, and lots of people who really don't have too much money, but I'm still happy to point them in the right direction whenever possible. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, because you just sort of address one of the things that I've heard from people in the past, which is like, yeah, I don't need to be on TikTok. These guys are all just, and it's a bunch of 15 year olds trying to kill time at the Dairy Queen, right? Yes, absolutely. This is a common misconception. I would not have believed that it was so powerful if I didn't get it on myself. I got on it kind of thinking, you know what, this could be fun. Let's see what happens. But the results came quickly. And yes, there are a lot of teenagers dancing on the app. And there are very few people talking about offshore trust. So if you have a more complicated issue or more complicated topic that you have a specialty in, the algorithm likes that. And I think that's why they pushed me high to the top because I offer education entertainment. Edutainment, I think it's the new term that's being passed around. And so, yeah, it was uh, something that I had no idea I'd get the kind of results that I've had. And I'm very thankful for it. But yes, no, 
TikTok is more and more becoming a place where wealthy people can meet wealthy people, or you can interact with some very uh, powerful, some very influential people. And I think we're just uh, at the tip of the iceberg. I think that I've heard TikTok referred to as the new search engine. So I'm very much pushing all the hashtags for the things that I want to show up in a, in a search engine for. So I, I'm a very big believer in power of TikTok and, and the more power that is, is to come. Okay, awesome. And then there's so much I could potentially want to go down. I'm like taking like a lot of mental notes right now, but I want to take it a little bit before. So as far as what was your background before you ended up getting into TikTok from a marketing perspective? Like how are you getting new cases into the firm before TikTok ended up being an option for you? Sure. So from the very beginning of my practice, I've always believed in the power of the internet. I built a website and I've probably over the course of my life between content, videos, SEO, link building, AdWords, probably spent over a million dollars over the course of my career building up my website and getting it and getting it ranked. Now that money that I've put out has come back to me plus some, but it started out uh, through the internet. And then I have segued into other types of marketing. I do some radio shows where they need an expert on my subject matter. They call me and I'm on the air answering questions that builds trust with people. I've done a few television appearances. I kind of think those are fun. You you go into the studio, you, you get interviewed for a few minutes, you get asked a few questions and people see your ability to answer the spot and your ability to articulate your subject matter. And that builds a lot of confidence, confidence with people. But uh, TikTok was a really first social media platform that I did well on. And with doing well on that, it has uh, encouraged me to now start posting across other social media channels. The videos that I've been making for TikTok are now being posted on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. So it's been a few different things. I mean, also, we get a lot of referrals from past clients. We, we have provide excellent service to our clients. We have tons of five-star star reviews. And so other clients have been very gracious in referring business to us as well. That's really where we get some of our best clients as well. When you're advertising through the internet or social media, you can find great clients and you find some not so great people you have to sort through. Referrals tend to be pre-screened for getting us better leads. Yeah. And like such a good point too, because like, I hate to see this and something that will happen from time to time. It's when people have been used to running referral-based practice and they don't accept the fact that, you know, there's a little less pre-filtering. They see, okay, well, Hey, look, I had to throw out one of these three leads. Uh, this is crap. I got to go back to referrals. And I'm like, well, okay. Uh, but um, one of the things I think is super interesting about your story, because it's like, everyone loves the story about the person who just, you know, waltzed onto the social media platform, just became the, you know, the overnight success story. But I did sort of suspect this. There's like a lot beneath the surface in terms of your story. It's like this, you know, you'd been generating content for years. This wasn't the first new effort that you'd really started, right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I mean, a lot of the videos that, that I, I post, I have, um, I've said these things before. I also have done a lot of speaking engagements for the general public, as well as continuing education for other attorneys. And so I'm very comfortable performing. And so getting onto social media was not that big of a leap. It's not like I have been hiding behind a computer screen my entire career. Um, I've been out in public a lot. And so putting myself in public through social media really was not that big of a transition. Yeah. And I think that's big too, because it's like, you know, even these situations, if you looked at any of the channels that you'd worked on that weren't necessarily the highest return on investment, it's almost as if you were like paying your dues for, you know, eventually being ready for the big pitch to go across the plate with the TikTok and you knocked it out of the park. The very first time that I gave any present 
adaptation. It was a few months into my career and I spoke for maybe two minutes and I think I spent maybe 20 hours preparing to speak for two minutes. Now I can sit down and give an hour long presentation and it takes me less than an hour to even prepare for that. So yes, if you're at the beginning of your career and you're wanting to be known as the expert on whatever, it, it takes time and you don't see much results at first. You keep focusing it on a goal, you'll likely eventually get there. So yes, there was what I can do now in a quick TikTok that may take me 15 minutes to record and edit and post. There was years of practice preparation, screw-ups that got me to the final product that I can push out quicker nowadays. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. And let's switch gears to get to a little bit to those things too. So I want to just kind of take a quick note out here too, because it's like, I think honestly, there's there's a couple of things to the listeners on this. If you guys aren't picking this up about what Blake's story is, is coming up, is he has a very specialized skill set. And the thing is, Blake, you probably wouldn't have gotten the situation where you're able to speak at a high level and present to other attorneys at CLE presentations and stuff if you were running, you know, a door lawyer practice and you're just taking everything that was coming across your desk, right? Right. So um, I do, I am a fan of specialties. I am a fan of really being the best in one area, especially nowadays in the internet age when people are finding their attorneys based on a global basis. It used to be where you would find an attorney by driving down the street, opening up the yellow pages and finding someone close to you in your neighborhood, a person in your neighborhood, they could help you with your car accident. They could help you with your DUI. They could help you with the divorce. They could write a will for you. Nowadays, when people are finding their attorney by the internet, you're competing. When I'm setting up an offshore trust, I'm competing with attorneys in LA, New York, Seattle, all across the country. So if I'm selling offshore trust, but I'm also selling uh, divorces or helping with divorces, it definitely hurts credibility. So the more you can focus in on one area of the law, the more likely you are to be the expert. And you've got to be the expert nowadays when we're competing through the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's such, it's basically a winner take all market, right? It's like, you know, people want to hear the best asset protection advice, period. And then when you do that, that's how you get to the point. I just took a quick look 250,000 followers, guys. If you haven't checked out, like, and I'll get your TikTok link, the uh, show notes here for, for anyone who wants to check that out. But yeah, it's like, you know, no one cares about what, you know, the best family law attorney in Dayton, Ohio has to say. Unfortunately, yeah. like, that was enough to win 10 years ago. And, you know, in, in this local SEO to some content, but if we want to take it about like having these winning on a platform like TikTok, it's like, you know, the signal accelerates. Every like that you have pushes you higher up in the algorithm for people that they've determined are open to the content. And like, yeah, again, it's, it's winner take all. That's what I ends up looking at. Okay, super cool. So let's take it back to those first days. So what attracted you to TikTok in the first place? And did you have any missteps along the way, like other social, I mean, were you on Parlor, like you're not, or like, uh, or whatever the uh, clubhouse or any of the, uh, you know, the failed experiments that ended up not going the same way? Have you been um, a, a new net social guy for, for some time? So when I very first started my practice, I think that I opened up a Facebook page and maybe a Twitter account. I wasn't getting much results from them. I was getting more results from just my website and Google. That's really where I put my efforts. In hindsight, maybe it would have been good to really focus in on one social media site and, and really build that out. However, building a following through Twitter and Facebook, if you're trying to reach a national level, it's hard because those platforms are designed to show you your friends and your people, people in your network, whereas TikTok is more designed to show you your interest. So I think that's a big part of the reason because the people in my network 
very few of them are interested in asset protection. There's people nationwide who are interested in asset protection. TikTok gave me the get my message out to people all across the country, all across the world looking for asset protection. So, I mean, as far as uh, did I try and fail with other platforms? Yeah, I guess. I mean, there, there was a little bit of Facebook and Twitter early, early in the days, but oh, YouTube. I did put, um, I did make quite a few YouTube videos and some of those videos I, I paid tens of thousands of dollars to make. And then I got on TikTok and didn't pay anything. And my, my message got out there. I do believe in, I do believe in YouTube because I very much believe in power of video and YouTube, uh, somebody who a YouTube followers probably worth maybe 10 TikTok followers because it's people who are more interested in it. TikTok. It's pushed out to people who are not as interested, necessarily interested in what I'm, what I'm talking about. So I guess the one where I tried and didn't really get the results I wanted was on YouTube, but I'm still pushing forward with that, especially because now I record videos on TikTok, for TikTok, it's easy to post them on YouTube as well. And actually in the last week, one of them got a few thousand views, which I'm quite happy about. And oh, shorts, uh, YouTube now, now has shorts and they're pushing those out and they want people to start creating content there. Instagram, thanks to TikTok, has started to get some followers as well. And I'm posting on Instagram a little bit more often because you can do uh, stories that are just text posts. I don't do just text posts on TikTok. And I have gotten some clients from Instagram as well, even though my Instagram follow following is just around 2,000 people. They're just more, they're a little bit more engaged, maybe at a higher rate, even though there's, there's lower numbers. So TikTok has been in the back, well, has definitely been the best, but uh, I have gotten some traction from Instagram and uh, I have gotten some calls from YouTube as well. Those are probably the three best for me. I tweet sometimes too, because quite frankly, I think it's fun. But as far as the other platforms, I haven't, don't know that I've really done anything more than download them. I did just try out Pinterest. I'm curious to see how Pinterest is, is going to work. I spoke with someone a while back who did Pinterest marketing and it's kind of like a search engine. Once you kind of get it up and going, it can just start paying dividends on, on its own. So that's a lot of information, Jan, but uh, yeah. that's kind of the overall view on the status of, that's the overall view on what's going on in the TikTok world. Uh, Jan, do you mind if I live stream this conversation on TikTok? Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, okay. let's do it. Sounds good. We'll keep this recording too. I think we should leave yeah, this. Yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> okay, cool. So basically, you know, if you get to the situation too, I, I've heard some some interesting concepts too. Like one of the things that I've heard is from the perspective, what content actually performs best because TikTok is such a sophisticated algorithm content. It's a higher bar. So the content that performs well on TikTok will probably do super well on reels and shorts and all those different things too. So you almost have a one-to-many strategy where if you can get content that can hack it on TikTok, then you're probably good for every other major tech profile who's trying to make some feature that's trying to eat TikTok and probably going to fail, but right? Kind of. I mean, you, you would think, but also you don't, I don't know. I mean, I've had videos that performed uh, well on TikTok that did lousy on other platforms and I have videos that did lousy on TikTok and kick butt on Instagram Reels. So it's hard to, kind of hard to know. I mean, it's I, I kind of go to, maybe it's the Gary Vee philosophy, but just put it out there, put it out there and, and see. I mean, some videos that I spent hours making did mediocre. And sometimes when I just off the cusp recorded something in 30 seconds, got hundreds of thousands of views. So, I mean, I think that designing it so that it makes the TikTok world happy is a good plan, but you don't necessarily have to, but, uh, but just because it doesn't perform well on TikTok doesn't mean it's going to not do well elsewhere. And just because it does well on TikTok doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do well elsewhere, but I do think TikTok is a good place to kind of start your focus. Okay. Awesome. Now let's, let's go on a little bit into kind of how you think about scheduling content and stuff. 
I know you mentioned being an SEO guy. So like, I'm sure like, the idea of a content calendar is something you've, you've come across at some point, but what's your approach to thinking about what you want to talk about on TikTok and, you know, any sort of stuff around scheduling frequency, that kind of stuff. I feel like people talk about this stuff all the time, but I can't get a straight answer for what actually works. So I, I don't have a, I don't have a real great answer. I mean, in terms of a, what I want to talk about initially, I came up with maybe just three or four ideals for what I was going to post on TikTok. And then once I posted those users started asking questions and I was able to drive content for pretty much the rest of the platform. I mean, I also pay attention to the news and what's trending. I don't go and jump on every single trend, but if it's anything that I can tie back to my niche, then I'll comment on it. Or just if I can talk and do and say something that builds trust, builds character, makes people feel like. I'm a real human being. I think that's important as well. As far as scheduling content is concerned, I do have a little bit of help from my staff and my law firm in terms of post some of the videos. And uh, I try to have at least one post every single day. Beyond that, I don't worry too much about what time of the day or what day of the week I post content. My uh, and Maybe this is just because I'm a person who wants to see results quickly. So if I've got some, I've got a piece of content and I haven't posted anything in 24 hours, I'm going to go, I'm going to get it out there. If I post something and it's performing super well, apparently you're supposed to let marinate for a little while before posting something new. Otherwise the new content takes away from the push that the previous content is getting. So if I post something that's performing really well, I'll give it maybe six or so hours before, at, at least before I post something new, but otherwise I want to get out there, just start posting and having stuff out there. So I, I don't have much of a content calendar. I think if I was, uh, if I had more content in the arsenal then I could be a little bit more selective about when I was posting things, I would like to get there, but I just haven't, I just haven't gotten there. Yeah. Gotcha. And then as far as like how you're fitting this in with your day-to-day and like obviously running a law practice and dealing with clients and all that stuff, <laughs> are you like thinking about this in the back of the mind? Is this something like when it pops up, you'll record something or do you ever like, you know, batch or try to get to a situation where you can crank out a bunch of videos and not have to worry about it for a week or something like that? So, I mean, as far as producing content is concerned, anybody who I talk to about my success on TikTok, I always tell them, and they have their own business, I tell them, get on TikTok if you think you're going to enjoy doing it. Don't start a job that you don't like. Don't start working on a social media platform that you don't enjoy working on. I find it fun. And we manage to always have time for the things that we enjoy enjoy right. doing. So yes, I have kind of started to block off some time each week, uh, often in the morning, or maybe even one day a week or half, half a day a week to make some batch content. And that has been helpful. I mean, it's very tempting to kind of focus on the immediate new client or taking care of whatever fire, but uh, the dividends that I've gotten from TikTok have been better than anything else I've done in my career. So I have to make it a priority. Gotcha. And as far as this is another thing I wanted to ask about too. I love your Q and A's, man. I feel like the Q and A's are kind of one of those chicken and egg situations where like, if you have a large following, you get the Q and A's and you can amass a larger following by responding to that audience. But when do you see the tipping point for when your content started attracting answers or was there anything that you were doing and calling out to get those questions? I mean, it's an, it's an area of law that's about people's money and people like talking about their money and people like having answers answers and attorneys, we often charge hundreds of dollars an hour for our service. And if you can get that for free on online, then that attracts people to ask questions. I, so yeah, just around that. Uh, and you know, I, I'll answer everything to the best of my ability. When it comes to my niche, I'm very comfortable answering anything that has to do with asset protection, offshore trust, but often I get client questions out of left field. I talk about cryptocurrency sometimes. I don't pull myself out as a currency expert, but to the point that I know 
about a subject, I'm going to share the information with the caveat that I only know somewhat about the subject. And people appreciate that. Um, I think people regard me as smart, at least when it comes to asset protection. And then that carries some weight with them being able to understand other, they appreciate that I'm my opinion on other matters, even if I'm not a subject matter expert on whatever the trending latest news story is. Yeah, gotcha. It's a perspective that people come to you for, even if you're not an expert on all these things. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like, you know, this is kind of leading us into the, the conversation about like this whole content graph thing. So it's like, there's obviously a constellation of things that are associated with the, the asset protection of the time being, but how are you like thinking about that when you're coming up with topics or is it just kind of, you know, you put your, your vibe out there and the tribe comes. Jan, can, can you ask that one more time? So as far as like the content graph and like selecting your hashtags and that kind of stuff too, like, you know, there's obviously the stuff that seems, seems to be adjacent. So do you have like a deliberate strategy about that? Or are you just kind of putting out the content that makes the most sense and letting the algorithm do the work of finding who would like that? I mean, as far as, as far as the better way to do it is to reverse engineer and say, this is the hashtag that I want to own. I want TikTok, I've heard, and I believe it's becoming more and more search engine. So when somebody types asset protection into Google or TikTok, I want to pop up. So with that, uh, I try to make every video have some slant towards, towards asset protection. That being said, if I have a video, sometimes I just talk about my personal life or something that's not very asset, that's not asset protection related. When I do that, I don't put the asset the protection hashtag because that upsets the TikTok algorithm if you're putting irrelevant hashtags on there. So sometimes, I mean, most of my content are trying to drive asset protection, those with an interest in asset protection to me. But for a lot of the content, if it's not asset protection related, that's fine. Even if I think people who follow me because they like my comments on we're good taco, they will eventually be exposed to my other content as well. And I'm happy to put good information out there, even if it's not what I do for work. But if I have a certain knowledge of how to change a tire and I can help somebody with that information, I I will do that. I don't know how to change a tire, but I'm just using that as an <laughs> Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then kind of related thing, like how do you think about like I've seen one or two on your pages, like, you know, mostly like the duets types trends, but how do you think about mixing in just straight content that you're recording versus like, you know, the trends and the duets and the trending sounds and all that different stuff when you're thinking up your, your stuff? So I had so I I, st I stitch a lot of videos and uh I have had so many comments. Those are some of my funnier videos. I um have a small sense of humor to me, or I like to think have a sense of humor to me. And in stitching videos, especially if it's a trending one, I think the big one now is what's a scam that doesn't seem like a scam anymore. Yeah. I watched uh, that one the other day. I thought it was great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I find those are some easy videos to make because it's it's kind of it's kind of like a layup, you know, that it's going to get some traction because a lot of because it's being pushed out, a lot of uh, other people are are liking it. So in, in that regards. I like those. They're, I think they're easy to make. They get some good traction. They're kind of easy to be funny in because you've got a back and forth with another person. I mean, I guess maybe not a back and forth, but they say something you respond you respond to as opposed to just trying to make make a joke monologue. So yeah, and it also kind of makes me feel like when I'm watching TikTok, I'm, I'm, I'm not just watching TikTok, I'm, I'm working. I'm looking to generate content. <laughs> I'm refining, I'm refining <laughs> there's, strategies here. <laughs> there's, no one I, there's no one I can build that, build that time to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, stitching videos is great. And I think that's going to be something that I do. And that's something the other platforms are lacking on their ability to make it easy to stitch. I think that's another reason that TikTok kicking butt. Yeah. I mean, it's innovative too. Like a lot of the times too, just like, I don't know, you know, the fact that be like Facebook was able to like roll over some of these other platforms, like so quickly, you know, just kind of showed that there wasn't really anything new to them, but like the fact that it's been so persistent and hard, truly unique. I think it just like speaks to the DNA, like really being different. 
on TikTok as a platform. And just as a quick one-off question, like how much yeah. time do you spend on TikTok a day, like consuming content? <sighs> Let me think. I, I am a person who try makes an effort to put down their phone. I uh, will often Friday night from about 7 p.m. not look at my phone again until maybe Saturday at, at noon. And I try to have an hour of no screen time before bed. I try not to look at my phone first thing in the morning. Emphasis on the word try. <laughs> yeah. uh, but across all of my social media platforms. So in, in the in 80% of it being, being TikTok, I don't know. Okay, to in, I'm, I'm fat, okay, let me... Maybe an hour a day. Okay, maybe. gotcha. That's not bad yeah. too. Yeah, that's the thing too. Because like the things that I always hear from people about why they want to do it, it's like, okay, cool. Well, first, this is, it's only kids. This is going to take over my life. And I have to do dances and stuff like that. But like, you know, this is the thing, like your story is the absolute opposite. It can take over, it can take over your life. And, and you've got to be careful. Last year, when I first got on TikTok and I got to 100,000 followers, I mentioned to my eight-year-old son that I was on TikTok. He then convinced my mother, his grandma, my 70-year-old mother to get on, get on TikTok. And now my mom is fully hooked and she doesn't follow me or maybe she does, but it's not just for me. She's, she's fully hooked. I wake up some morning to a few TikToks that my mom sent me. She's starting to buy merch from some of her followers. <laughs> and, I, and I warn people, or sometimes when I say, are you on TikTok? They say, no. My advice usually is stay off it. It's like crack. It is very addictive. So I, uh, I think, um, I mean, there have been times where I have consumed too much social media, but I think I've done a pretty good job of keeping a fairly healthy balance of how much uh, time I'm spending on the platform. Yeah. And like the truth is, it's like you do get literate on whatever is like trending on the platform by being on the platform. Like, I think it's also kind of a false goal for people that want to try to like outsource this like completely just because it's like, I don't know how you would have somebody develop a personality that works for you based on, I don't know, like, you know. This is so true. You can't really outsource your TikTok. I mean, I think uh, El what's great about Elon Musk is that his tweets seem very authentic, whereas other celebrities, politicians, they're sending out social media content that it seems like it's manufactured by someone. One of my favorite, uh, probably my favorite TikToker is uh, James Butler of Well and Septic Life. And he's a guy who just runs a company where they uh, pump people's, people's septic tank, but it is so authentic. He, he's, he wears shirts where it's not clean, but it is authentic and you feel like you know the real person. Whereas Instagram for so long was always the pictures where it was, you know, the beautiful, expensive stuff that's not real. And uh, it's, you know, aesthetically pleasing to a degree, but you get much more vested with app where you feel like you're actually knowing a real person. When you feel like you have that real connection, it really bonds you to that creator and therefore bonds you to the app. So I'm an attorney, but I work remotely. I don't wear a tie. I mean, even when I was meeting with clients, I'd throw on a sports coat, but, um, I, but I'm a casual person. And it comes across as, I think it comes across as authentic on TikTok as, as well. Yeah, I think it's like so much other things, like so many other things in, in life and business. It's like, you really do get what you put in. And it's like, I think it's it's tough. Like I always say the same thing as content in general too. Like there's a really great quote. I don't know if you know Alex Gormozzi, but uh, he said something like the problem with most content is that people don't actually have anything to say. So it's like, if people are just like, you know, redigesting their spin on a news headline or some old, you know, one-on-one level trope on whatever it is in their business, it's like, who cares? You know, we don't need hundred, the thousand first like the blog posts on that, but it's the same for TikTok. Like if you're not in on it, you're not putting your heart into it. It's not likely that you have anything really interesting to say, you know? It is. I mean, I am aware there's a lot of jobs harder than being a content creator. 
There's a lot of jobs part of the meme a content creator, but it's not easy being someone who comes up with authentic, original, valuable, entertaining, educational content on a daily basis. There's definitely some challenges with that. And it's the reason that a lot of people don't end up going on social media. And when you don't go on social media, you're potentially missing out. Again, it goes back to my comment of, do you think it would be fun to start a TikTok right. account? And if so, go for it. But if, if not, don't go for it because it's not easy to outsource. And if you don't do a good job with it, you're just wasting everyone's time. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. So let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit into the conversion aspects of these things. So I know just like broadly, a lot of people are using stuff like Linktree and that kind of thing, but how do you get somebody who's been engaged on your content to, you know, eventually winding up on your calendar for a consultation? So anytime somebody comments, almost anytime someone comments, I, I try to respond. I respond to over 95% of comments. The back and forth is important to, is important to building community. And then um, beyond that, uh, there's a link tree in my profile. I believe my phone number's in there. Occasionally, I drop my phone number in there as well. Most of the comments, I just simply give some type of response to. Occasionally, somebody comments, how do I get in touch with you? Or how can I get a consultation with you? And I would just respond with, Call 833-ASK-BLAKE or email info at blakehurstlaw.com to schedule a consultation. And then people will often come to my website. They'll fill out a contact us form. If it is somebody who I think I could help, then I respond with my link to schedule a calendar. So it uh, people reach out. And um, also sometimes on Instagram. The one thing that Instagram does a little bit better than TikTok for some reason is direct messaging. I think Instagram sometimes prevents you from messaging people who you don't follow as well. And I've got 250,000 followers, but I only follow a few dozen people. So it makes it a little bit harder to message back and forth. But when they follow me on Instagram, I will respond to, I will respond to people on Instagram. Okay, that's super cool. And I had never heard about that comment thing. You know, it definitely seems like a bit of a grind, but that's, you know, that's, that's fantastic. If that's how you're getting these people converted. Um, right. But, but I mean, th these are people who are already starting to engage, right. engage with me. You want to build and you want to build. It was Gary V. I'm sure you've heard of, I think we discussed Gary V. He said the reason that he made it big on social media because he responded to every single comment for years. He would stay up late doing it. And so I had, I mean, there's some comments which is simply, I don't know that merits any response, but at least a like. Um, but for over 95% of people who comment, they, I, I, I comment back. And, and sometimes, uh, and I kind of put forward the same effort that they put forward. If they say something funny, I say something funny. If they say something insightful, I try to say something insightful. If they're being kind of rough, I'll be kind of rough back with them. Yeah, no, that's fun. And I'll also say this in terms of, I mean, I'm sure that's fantastic for the algorithm, first of all, but like one of the things I find super admirable and like, and this is something I see way too much in law firms is like people want to poo-poo the actual, like, you know, picking up the shovel and digging the damn hole, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, if we're going to accept the premise that it has to be you to be authentic, then, you know, look, if you got a, you know, extra 20, 30 minutes to, you know, respond to comments or, you know, even invest the time into getting something especially clever, that's turning into consultations on your calendar, man. So it's like, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, a question about like, you know, qualitatively, and like, I personally think the whole concept of lead quality by channel is kind of a canard, but in terms of how pre-sold these people are coming into a consultation, how would you say it compares with people that are coming to you from TikTok? versus, you know, you know, some of the social media channels or even the SEO and Google stuff that you've been, you know, familiar with over the years. How does it compare? Interestingly enough, the TikTok followers are easier to convert to clients than the people who find me from Google. Because the people who find me from Google, they're probably comparing me to a few other trust attorneys. The people who follow me on TikTok 
they've been following me for a while. They've had maybe hours worth of my content. They have a pretty good feel of who I am and who they're talking to. So that portion of TikTok, it actually produces some very good, some very good leads, some people who are ready to buy, some people who are well-educated and informed on trust, but also on how I do trust as well. So yes, it's produced some excellent leads. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'll also say this too, like it's, I mean, I kind of drum on this a lot in, in the podcast broadly, but like, you know, estate planning for more than other practice areas, because you, you can technically walk away from these problems. I mean, if you want to make the bet that you're not going to die before <laughs> or something bad's going to happen in the asset protection sense before that happens. But, you know, there's a massive difference between people who are looking for Blake versus people who are looking for an asset protection attorney and like, correct. Yeah, you're like a monopoly, right? Like, you know, yeah. you can name your price, you, you know, you're going to close them way more of those people. It's like, it's a much better situation. And again, we're just at the peak of the iceberg. I think TikTok is going to continue to grow, to dominate all the social media platforms and the younger generation, which is heavily weighted, which is a bigger group of who the TikTok followers are. They're getting to the point where some of them are accumulating assets and soon enough, many of them will need trust and the services. And after them following my channel for 10 years, it's going to be a no brainer as to who they, who they work with. So I like to think. Yeah, that's funny too. Cause like you mentioned the story about your mom. It's like, that's, that's one of those things where I really kind of see like, this is like the harbinger of what's to come because I mean, I think, you know, everything boils down to biology at the end of the day. And I think TikTok is better at commandeering people's <laughs> dopamine re uh, receptors than anything else out there. And that's, you know, in the long term, like that's, that's what's going to win, I think. Yep. Um, yeah. This is why I throw a caution out of take a little break from time to time. Yeah. For, for sure. walk. <laughs> Touch grass from time to time if you can. <laughs> a little grounding. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like as far as the situation and the opportunity to like, it's also, I think like broadly a change. I read this really fascinating article a little while back, but it was, it was on the death of cool. And there was kind of this idea that like, you know, pre-internet, if you were the guy who got the cool new, you know, indie album, you know, three months before everyone else, and you were like cool guy. But, you know, as the internet became the thing, like, you know, a more widespread access no longer became very cool. And then as far as, you know, there's almost not a sense of cool in these younger generations, because it's like, you know, they're, for, I think this is actually a really good movement in the culture as well, too, because it's like, there's no objective hierarchy of who's better than who. And like, I think the way that Gen Z from the ones that I've worked with and interacted with, it's like, they really are, it's more about who's the best version of themselves, who's enjoying their thing. You can be, you know, cottage core or, like, you know, based or, you know, red pill or whatever you want to be. And then there's always somebody in the tribe for you. And I think like the strength of the TikTok algorithm is that it really, you know, shows people a mirror of who they are by what they're able to interact with. And I think that's beautiful in a lot of ways. So like, as far as the situation for somebody who might be thinking about taking the plunge, what would you recommend for an attorney who's looking to, you know, launch their TikTok as part of their strategy like today? I mean, first, make sure that it's something that you seem like you would enjoy doing. If you're a person who enjoys presenting, then move forward with it. The second is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I have people who stitch my videos and, and disagree with what I disagree with what I say. And usually, sometimes I'll, I'll either fight back or sometimes I'll actually take a spin, compliment them, and try to befriend them. So just be aware that, uh, and you're going to get picked on. You're going to get picked on for the way you look. You're going to get picked on for the slightest slip up with anything you say. 
say with, with anything in the, in the background. Most attorneys are pretty tough. I mean, just part of the nature of the, of the career, you're butting heads with other attorneys. Um, you're dealing with difficult clients, clients sometimes. So that's not too much of an issue. And then just kind of general advice for anybody on TikTok, create a format which you, you can sustain. If it's taking you 10 days to push out one video, that's not going to be a viable strategy in the TikTok sphere. Uh, pick a niche. And then um, also it's good if you enjoy consuming TikTok uh, as well. And I really haven't met too many people who've spent a little bit of time on it that didn't get hooked. But you want to be able to kind of be aware of TikTok etiquette, be aware of the trend, um, be able to stitch other people's videos. So if you're already on TikTok an hour, if you're an attorney, you're already spending an hour a day on, on TikTok, then you could be, and you like to produce content, then you could be a great person to go out there and start, start a platform. So to sum it up, I'd say make sure it's something you something you want to do and something that you can do on a scalable basis and be ready for a few punches in, in a few different directions. It also helps if you have a practice which you can service people statewide or or, or nationally because it is pushed pushed out a lot of different people. And then um possibly even be ready to leverage it as well on other social media, social media platforms as well. If you're producing content for TikTok, go ahead and post it on Instagram and other platforms as well. Okay, awesome. Blake, so many gems there and so many gems throughout this entire podcast and interview. I think this has been super, super fantastic. I'm definitely going to be listening to this again. I, I recommend anyone who's, <laughs> this is a, this is a Yon certified listen to twice podcast. Blake, thanks again so much for the time, man. I think we're reaching towards the end of, of it, but um, for anyone who's interested in reaching out or any, um, what's the best way to get in touch and get in your world? So Blake Harris Law, TikTok, Blake Harris Law, Instagram, Blake Harris Law, Pinterest, Blake Harris Law, Twitter, Blake Harris Law, my website, BlakeHarrisLaw.com. Also, uh, if you want to email me, Blake at BlakeHarrisLaw.com. And I also have a, a backup TikTok account, which I started about a month ago, which is around 5,000 followers, which is Trust Attorney Blake. But everywhere, everywhere else, I'm Blake Harris Law or to give us ask Blake. Okay. Awesome. All right, Blake. Thanks again so much, man. I really, really appreciate the time. Like I said, this has been an absolute wealth of knowledge on any end. There's not a lot of people that are able to talk about this at a super high level, but so like, you know, the fact that you've been so generous with your time and information, I, I really, really appreciate it. And so for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.